authors, I'm Joanne Morell, children's and young adult fiction writer and author of short nonfiction for authors. Thanks for joining me for the Hybrid Author Podcast, sharing interviews from industry professionals to help you forge a career as a hybrid author, both independently and traditionally publishing your books. You can get the show notes for each episode and sign up for your free author pass over at the Hybrid Author website to discover your writing process, get tips on how to publish productively, and get comfortable promoting your books at www.hybridauthor.com.au. Let's crack on with the episode. authors. I hope you're all keeping well in whatever part of the world you reside and listen to the podcast in. Today's interview is with romance writer and all-round amazing human being Tess Woods. Tess has recently launched the Little Red Street Library in her neighbourhood, a free library to showcase and promote Australian authors. And we chat how one might go about starting their own street library, council permissions, design, book supplies, general upkeep, community connection, Tess's books and much more. So in my author adventure this week, it's been a busy book selling one, as I can now confirm I am selling print copies of my non-fiction books direct from my website. So if you prefer a solid copy of a book and are interested or know someone who is interested in setting up a freelance writing business, you can purchase freelance writing, quick tips for fast success, or if you are an author starting out or at any stage in your author career, experiencing self-doubt, imposter syndrome, fear of being judged, telling yourself your writing's crap, struggling mentally or have unsupportive people in your life, then author fears and how to overcome them is for you. Simply head on over to hybridauthor.com.au slash books and simply select the hard copy book item to read about it and then select add to cart. Then select the trolley at the top of the right hand corner of the page to view your item and the shipping costs and then select proceed to checkout where you'll fill out your details and select how you'd like to purchase via PayPal etc and then a copy will be sent direct to you. So selling direct from my website so far has been such a thrill. I've been set up before I've been set up to sell direct before for my digital copies my ebook and my audiobook versions of these non-fiction books but actually making a special trip to the post office you know the other day to post the books was was awesome you know it was so much fun and it just made me feel proud I absolutely love this model this this indie publishing model I do you know and I think that's quite important if you want to independently publish books like there's always going to be maybe parts of a business that you're not keen to do but I'm noticing the more I do business admin the more I put myself out there to market myself and my books the more I actually enjoy that process I really do as well as obviously the writing so for many of us we are currently living in hard times if you watch the news and obviously buy your local groceries everybody has noticed the the rise in costs of things so if you listen to the podcast and you are keen to read my books but you can't afford to buy them right now you can simply go into your local library and ask them to get them in and you can borrow them for free so you can either go in and ask for the print copies of the books uh, or whichever one you're interested in or the ebook or the audiobooks I still retain reward 
as the library will purchase them on your behalf. And in turn, I will then get compensated. I'll get compensated upon purchase and also next year when I submit a PLR, which is public lending rights, and ELR, educational lending rights statement, which is a payment that obviously authors, well, authors in many countries are entitled to. So that's to compensate from basically your boots being sold direct, but you know, they're getting borrowed for free type of thing. And if you haven't heard of these payments before or you're not sure how to go about them, you can check out episode 18 of the Hybrid Author Podcast, Educational and Public Lending Rights, ELR and PLR with me. So I can confirm you can borrow my books. And if you're in Western Australia, Armadale, Cannington, Nedland, Balajura, Woodville and Wanneroo Libraries. I'd love to hear from you if you have borrowed my book in other places, other countries, other states. Please, please reach out so I can add that library to my list. As a publisher of my own work, I keep account of stock and where it's going and who's purchased and things like that. I've got a a database going at the moment. If you are a librarian listening to the podcast in Western Australia, my books are also on the West Books list, which are a distributor to local libraries and schools, and they promote Western Australian authors and books and companies and things like that. And they, as I said, they supply to many libraries within the state, and a few libraries have purchased my books this way. The library system, it's quite a complex way of working. There's no straightforward, uh, one way fits all. They all do things differently. They get local budgets from the the councils the city you know the cities and uh from the state library so you know if you you're keen to know more about this episode 34 of the hybrid author podcast with emily paul the role of a public librarian and how the library system works in australia and even though it's for Australia, you might get an understanding of how they work. I've also got some episodes around the library system coming up in the next couple of weeks, more around the workshopping marketing side with author Christine to Brown. So watch out for that episode in the next few weeks. So the upcoming episode with Tess Woods is it's truly a fun one. Tess and I have been going back and forth for uh, quite a while now about, uh, you know, there was various topics and trying to tee up a time to chat and I think that the the right topic, the Little Red Street Library, was the one we were supposed to talk about. It's all about timing, I think, and uh, yeah, it's it's definitely been the right the right topic to chat to each other about, and it's very inspiring, and it's made me sort of consider what are the fun things about writing and reading and our industry that you can become involved in. So obviously, as as authors, especially authors who are looking at this as a business and wanting to earn money from it and and treating it that way. Uh, not just writing for fun or being hobbyists, because then that is the fun side. You can get really caught up in the money, making money from it. How can you be marketing yourself, promoting yourself, putting yourself out there? For some, a lot of people, actually, that's not a really fun thing to do. But the writing is what they enjoy. That's what why they do it, because they love to tell stories and they get so much out of it. Everyone has a different reason. But what I'm putting to you is what other thing, what other things besides the writing do you do within the industry to promote fun or have fun yourself? So for Tess, she once she started this, which you'll hear in the upcoming interview, she started this little street library. And the episode is around tips on how her story and tips on how you can go about setting up your own library. But even just something like that is is in itself, it creates community vibe 
giving back to the writing community by promoting others, giving back to your community by promoting reading, getting to know people. And it would just be a fun project, I think, getting the library going and then stalking it and keeping it going and meeting people that way. So that this is obviously with Tessa's interview, this is a fun thing you can do if it's something you're interested in. But the other things, you know, that I've thought about as well, to do book art at a session through my local library at the time. And we there was all these old books. You know, if you think about your old books, rather than donating them, if you, you know, YouTube's probably great for this. You can find loads of ways that you can fold paper differently to make different shapes out of books. And they make great ornaments and things like that. And that's something a bit different that you can do to have some fun more in this industry or any other sort of craft things. Just as what do you do besides obviously writing your books in the industry to promote fun? What else is out there? Just sort of starting to think outside the box that you could be involved in that will then sort of inspire you or promote productivity. So so rather than this week kind of thinking about the business itself and selling books, making books, all that sort of thing. It was really just, especially around this interview, was thoughts around what could I be doing that promotes fun in this industry? Because life is hard enough. We need to let loose, let go and not be so serious all the time. And I think the rest of our writing and our business and our publishing and our promoting and stuff like that will all benefit from adding a bit of fun like this street library or like some book art craft or or like just being silly when it comes. We need a playful side as well. So please reach out to me on the Hybrid Author podcast this episode or via email joanne at hybridauthor.com.au or social media, my Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, uh, Jay-Z Morell, the hybrid author. And let me know. Send me pictures as well. I would absolutely love to see, yeah, the playful side of writing, writing a business, all that sort of stuff. If there's anything different out there, I'd love to know. So next week, I'm very excited to introduce our newest third sponsor of the Hybrid Author Podcast. But for now, if you are a lover of the podcast and any of the episodes has helped you forward in your author career, you can now pay it, pay it forward <laughs> by buying me a coffee at uh, buymeacoffee.com slash the hybrid author. Let's all support each other. Tess Woods is an Australian physiotherapist and best-selling and award-winning author of contemporary fiction. Her books have been picked up in North America and Europe, and her latest novel, The Venice Hotel, is due for release with Penguin Random House in September 2024. Tess has mentored aspiring writers through her local and international writing retreats, as well as volunteer mentoring young writers in schools. She's passionate about social justice, and she created the group Meals by Mums, which cooks homemade meals for the homeless. Welcome to the Hybrid Author Podcast, Tess. 
Hello, Joe. It's so lovely to be here. Oh, wow. You honestly have done so much in, in your career and just in general. Can you tell us, you know, how have you come to be a writer in between all these, you know, aspirations <laughs> and projects and endeavours? Oh. <laughs> I stumbled into it actually 14 years ago at the ripe old age of 36. As you said, I'm a physiotherapist. And at the time that I started writing, I actually had three clinics that I was running with my husband as well as two young children at home. So it certainly wasn't the ideal time to take on an extra career. But I think that's often how these things go when you're least expecting it. And as, you know, as corny as it sounds, my idea for my first book came to me in a dream. And it was very weird because it was the night that I first watched the first Twilight movie that came on at the cinema in 2019. The next day after I'd seen that movie, there was just this very persistent voice in my head that just would not go away. It was like dictating a story to me. And I remember telling my husband, you know, I've had this sort of daydream and there's this voice in my head and it keeps talking to me and telling me this story. And my husband was like, you know, there's a name for that, honey, and you probably need a (laughs) really good good psychiatrist. (laughs) (laughs) So I kind of, I tried not to pay attention to it, but Later in the morning, I was it was so vivid. I was standing at the kitchen doing the dishes and my sink actually overlooks the back garden. So I'm looking out over the backyard and a scene dropped into my head of a woman walking through my garage, coming up the path towards me. And honestly, Joe, it was so damn real that I just stopped what I was doing and I grabbed pen and paper and I just started to write. And I had never written anything, you know, not even a letter of complaint to a newspaper, nothing. So I I sat there and I wrote almost 50,000 words by hand over three days. Wow. It was just, it was almost like, it was just given to me this story. And I thought, I thought I had written a Pulitzer Prize winning novel. I thought I'd written the best thing that anyone had ever written. And then I've read over it, you know, in the cold, hard light of day the next day and realised that I'd actually written a piece of crap. And I had no, no contact in the industry. You know, I didn't know anyone. So I googled, how do you get help? to make your book, you know, better. And I found manuscript assessors. I found this fantastic editor called Meredith Whitford in Adelaide and I worked with her for about 18 months back and forth. I realised through that time I started doing some research and realised how hard it is to get published and that, you know, one in a few thousand writers gets picked up and I was pretty positive that would not be me. So then I started trying to find a literary agent who I thought might be able to help me get over the line with a public. I think there were maybe about 20, 25 literary agents back then in Australia and I got rejected by every single one of them. And this is back in the day when you had to you know, send your manuscript in snail mail, print it off and send it. So I'd, I'd come home from work and I'd just find my manuscript on the front door. Oh, <laughs> did they send it back, like, did they? Did yeah, they, they sent oh, it back. Oh, so <laughs> very depressing, <laughs> I know. So I kind of gave up on it and I wish I could give you a story of persistence where I didn't give up but I did and I thought well no agents wanted it I'm pretty sure no publishers are going to want it and I didn't actually send it to a single Australian publisher and forgot about the whole thing and then two years later so a little over two years later I got an email out of the blue from Jacinta Damaze who's one of you know the biggest literary agents in Australia 
And she sent me this email and said, look, you know, I'm just wondering, did you get this published? I didn't see it. I don't know. Have you written it under another name? She said, because I had a look at your manuscript a couple of years ago and rejected. I don't know if you remember me. And I was like, yeah, I remember you. I remember (laughs) you rejecting my book. And my book was about a couple that meet on a flight and they start a kind of obsessive affair, love at first flight. That was my first book. And she said, I rejected it. But ever since then, every time I get on a plane, I look to see who's going to be sitting next to me. And she said, and that's made me think, if I'm still thinking about this book two years later, I want to represent you. But it does need a lot of work. So I signed with her. We worked on it together for about a year, a year and a half. And then she said, okay, now I think it's ready. And within six weeks of that, I had a contract with HarperCollins. So it was just, it went from, you know, complete rejection to that. And what was pretty amazing was that that scene that I wrote, that very first day of a woman walking across the yard, that happens about halfway through the book. And it ended up being the most pivotal scene of the whole book. And so the book went through so many rounds of edits with the manuscript assessor, with Jacinta, and then with, you know, three editors through HarperCollins. But that scene, I remember taking a screenshot, you know, years ago on my social media, my first handwritten words and the scene as it appeared in the book were word for word, didn't change. Yeah. So it was really quite an inspired way to get into the industry. And I can tell you that since then, none of my books have come easily. It's been a (laughs) (laughs) one-off phenomenon. (laughs) That scene, did any of them try to take that out or change it? No. No, no, that none was of them. Like, no, yeah. no one even like. And what was amazing was, you know, when you go through copy edits and proofreads, you end up with very few lines in your book that are exactly as you wrote them from first draft. They they always find something to fix and change. You know, you read it yourself. 30 times by the time it's gone to print. So I, I had very few sentences that stayed the same, but just this one page was word for word. I think that's just quite quite amazing to me, really. Mm, yeah, I think um, like I hear that, I'm hearing that more and more. It's really the publishers are, you know, they want to be sold on an idea because pretty much everybody's writing is great. It's up to scratch and stuff like that. But it's, yeah. I guess it's the idea that grabs them. But I love your story. I think that's so yeah. unique. I haven't heard anything like that. And I, it yeah. just makes me feel feel that you know writing and and again keeps coming up as well you know it's quite a spiritual thing and uh the right time for the right work and uh, absolutely you know absolutely and I think even things like that I didn't submit to any publishers uh, when my agent came back to me she said I want to represent you but if you've actually submitted this book to publishers I can't so that was even amazing that I had not done that that I thought oh you know what I think I'm just going to give up (laughs) And then I think it it was just meant to happen that way with her. And that was, no, I think 2014 was when she came back to me. And 10 years later, she's still my agent. She's still got my back. So I know that it was just meant to happen the way it happened. Yeah, for sure. And was there a reason that you didn't go directly to the publishers? Did you think it was better to go agent to, to agent? Yeah, yeah. I looked up, I kind of looked up how, how many, you know, books, that are, that are sent to publishers in a slush pile get picked up and it was like one every few thousand yeah. and I thought there's just there's no way they're going to pick mine and I was so dejected with all the rejections that I got from quite literally every agent in Australia rejected it you know someone rejected on the back of a big W receipt just wrote no time <laughs> on the back of a receipt for toilet paper and tissues oh I was God. like okay um, someone else an agent wrote and said I see that you have your 
your bio says that you're a physiotherapist. I don't say this lightly, but don't give up your day job. Aww. So there were some really harsh <laughs> rejections. And I was so dejected from that that I thought, well, if agents aren't taking me, as if a publisher's going to take me without an agent promoting me. So that was the reason that I didn't, yeah, I just kind of gave up. So I wish I had a, I do look back and think I wish I'd persevered. <laughs> well, but I think it happened how it was supposed to happen. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess they're saying because if you've already gone to the publishers with it, then yeah. they, they obviously can't because they yes. might have already rejected the work. Yeah, and I think that's something for <laughs> aspiring authors to keep in mind. If you are someone who wants a literary agent, do not go out there and send your work to publishers until you've crossed that literary agent off your list because they're not going to want to show a publisher something they've seen before. It needs to be something new and fresh and exciting for a publisher. Yeah, absolutely. And then obviously the literary agent can go in and bat for you and, yeah. and, and fight to that. Oh, wow. Well, that's a, it's a great story. And I could absolutely talk to you for ages about all the writing and things. <laughs> but today's topic is on the Little Red Street Library. So yes. if you're able to tell us, uh, for those listeners who don't know, you know, what is the Little Red Street Library? So it's a little free library that I started in June on my property on the Perth North Coast. I guess ever since I heard about street libraries popping up years ago around Australia, I desperately wanted one, but it was more of a pipe dream. I hadn't gotten around to doing anything. And then this year I turned 50 and for my 50th birthday, my girlfriends all, they wanted to put in for a present for me, my school friends. And I knew that my friend Emma was very artistic, very handy. So I asked her if she could please make me a street library for my birthday and she was amazing and she said yes and my other friends put in for it and so the library actually opened on my birthday weekend which was very special so it's been up for three months now at first I was planning just to have it as a local community venture but in the lead up to the library opening I thought how good it would be to make it a presence on social media and have it as a platform to help promote Australian authors and illustrators and so that's how the Little Red Street Library Instagram page was born and and it just took a life of its own as well. <laughs> oh, no, that's amazing. And I love these little, I love these street libraries. And there's so many out there all across the world. And they're all sort yes. of different, like what people are making out of them. It's incredible. Yes, they are. They're just amazing. Yeah, so many beautiful ones around. Yeah, well, um, for those out there who are looking to follow the library dream, the street library dream, such as yourself, obviously it was a gift from your friends, so you didn't really have much to do with, I guess, the design and things like that. But, I mean, did you have to get permission to have something like this on your street or is it something anyone can just put out there? Yeah, you don't need permission if it's on your property, but you do need council approval if it's on the verge. So I guess depending on where you live, it can be a pretty big hassle to get get council involved. It takes a lot longer to get approval. There might be some red tape. So my advice would be to put it within the boundary of your property where it's easily accessible and visible for people walking by. I guess if you wanted to start a street library, the number one place to go to find out about it would be Street Libraries Australia website. They have a wealth of information there. You can even buy your library from the site and register your library with them if that's what you want to do so that people can find you. They have so many great tips 
for library owners. And then I guess you need to just make your library visible. If you live in a very quiet street or somewhere where not a lot of people are passing by, it's probably not the ideal location. Mm -hmm. And the other thing I would say is make sure your local community know about you. What I did when I put up mine was I put posts in my local Facebook group to let people know where the library was. And that's how most of my community found out about it. And I also made up a heap of bookmarks, which I've been, that have got the address of the library on the back. And I've been just walking my way around the neighbourhood streets and dropping it off in post offices, uh, post offices, post box, <laughs> people's post boxes there. Just trying to think. The other bit of advice I would have is if you're starting a library, start with a big stack of books. Like I would not open the library with less than about 50 books banked up wow. because those mm-hmm. first few weeks of having your library open, people will be taking books but not really bringing them back yet or donating books yet. So I found that in my first three weeks, it was like a sieve. All the books were being taken and none were being dropped off. I think it takes a while for people to think, oh, there's a library here. I'll bring my books and go and collect some books at home. So just for those first few weeks, have a little stockpile. And then after those first weeks, people do start. I mean, hopefully that would happen in any (laughs) neighbourhood. It certainly happened in mine that people will be donating books. Yeah. And did you put, um, it sounds like you've been super busy with it all. Did you put like a little instructions or anything in the library so people know what to do or what to expect? Or no? uh, I actually have, <laughs> I have, no, I never rely on people's common sense. So. <laughs> yeah. I would know either. You'd probably think, oh, I can have this book and maybe you read it there or if it's, because yeah. some of them I think are, are located in like parks and things like yes. that. Um, yes. And then you put it yeah. back, but to actually yeah. take it home, you, you yeah. A guideline yeah. to say, you know, be courtesy, yeah. bring it back in a month or yes. a week. Yeah, I, I'm way too much of a control freak to leave people up to their own you know, decision making. Um, so, yeah, I have a little sticker inside that tells people that, you know, they can hang on to the book for as long as they like. And then if they'd like to return it, that would be great. So others can read it as well. You know, obviously people, if some people just fall in love with a book and they just want to keep it on their shelf, that's completely fine too. And some people take a book and then leave another book. And there's absolutely no expectation with my little library that you would have to leave a book to take a book. I just want people to walk past and yeah, yeah find a book that they like and take it home. Yeah, that's amazing. And it's it's a good yeah. way to promote reading and things, especially in your local community. So how, how, were people aware of yourself as an author before all this and they knew? No, <laughs> I, I don't think so. What's hilarious is that I'm now getting recognised at my local shops when I go there because of the little library. I'm like, who knew? I've broken my back writing all these books to try and make a name for myself. But all I needed to do was actually open a little street library. (laughs) That's how everyone was going to recognise me. There's the Red Street Library lady. (laughs) (laughs) What people are saying, they're coming up to me and they're like, Red Street Library lady. Yes, but let me tell you about my book. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. But still, you know, I, it's still a good way to to promote reading and get known and, and get to know people in the local area, which is great. I take it with yeah. your house, you've got it like sort of out, obviously out of the house, not on the verge, but like a wall or something. So people are not yes. coming in your property. No, it is on a limestone wall, which is my front kind of border. So and my house, I've got a lot of native trees at the front of my garden. So it's a very 
bushy home. So I guess people must like it because it's not like someone's looking out at you from their window. <laughs> You've got privacy to stand there and look at the books. And so, yeah, I think it's a, and I'm actually on a very busy street corner. I'm opposite a row of shops that people walk to and like takeaway shops and stuff. And I'm opposite a school, a high school. So there's a lot of people going past my house all the time, which is why I thought it would be a perfect location to have the little library. Yeah, no, that's awesome. And so it's quite casual. You're not keeping account of what books are out and what's missing no. type thing? No, no. It's no, just no, like, no, yeah. no, not at all. Yeah, I wouldn't be able to keep up. There's books that come and go every day. That would be a job yeah. in itself. Are you <laughs> checking it? How often are you checking it? Like for stock, stocking it up and just what? people are put in are you yeah regularly I'm, or just I am no I am I'm pretty obsessive with it um <laughs> I'm checking it every morning every night and sometimes in between as well so I'm making sure that you know I have books that I have like a stack of books for adults and I'm making sure that there's books that men and women would like and children's books and middle grade and young adults I always make sure there's that range of books so that anyone who's walking past it's got something for everyone okay. um and yeah I guess I mean some people I know that it's especially ones that are out in public places, they're not checked at all. It's just leave books, take books, whatever. Yeah. Uh, but I, I guess also because I'm really trying hard to promote a lot of Australian talent in my library, I'm making sure that there's always a lot of Australian content in there. So as soon as those Australian books get taken, I'm replacing them with more Australian books. <laughs> Oh, no, that's amazing. And have you, obviously, as you said, you're promoting it through Instagram, so it's getting noticed and things like that. Have you approached publishers to let them know you've got this library if they want to donate a book or anything? Yeah, I guess for me, it's quite different to other street libraries because I am in the publishing industry. So I have access to the publicists at the major publishing houses. And it's been incredible, actually. As soon as I told them that I was going to be doing this, every single major publisher in Australia has been sending me books. Oh, amazing. Uh, so it's been, yeah, and I've just a range of, you know, nonfiction, fiction, children, adults. So it's just been fantastic to be able to just use it as a platform to promote Australian talent. Oh, I love it. I think it's great. It's so, so much, you know, it's so much more than probably what you thought it was going to be. Oh, uh, there's been, honestly, there's just, the response has just blown me away. I just thought oh, it would be really cute to open up a little <laughs> library and, I just in the last three months, I've met more of my neighbours. I've been living here for 20 years, but I have met more neighbours in three months than I've met in, you know, 20 years. I've had mums stop and tell me how much their kids love it and Aww. just out, elderly neighbours who don't drive anymore. So they're like, I'm so happy to have a library I can walk to and I don't need to someone to drive me to the library. And Yeah, that's um, it. Yeah, it's amazing. I've got a little um, tub of doggy treats in there and it's hilarious because some of my neighbours have said that they now need to plan their walking route to avoid the library if they don't want to stop because their dogs are refusing to walk <laughs> past it now until they have stopped and opened it up and given them a treat because they've learned that that red box has things inside. Oh, so, that's amazing. <laughs> Honestly, it's so inspiring. I just think uh, what a story and what a great way to, to meet people as well as promoting yeah. reading and just all of the above. It's fantastic. So obviously it was gifted to yourself from yeah. your talented mates. Uh, did you yeah. have any say in, because obviously little red street library and i think the yeah. uh, logo looks a bit like sesame street doesn't it and it's yeah i know it's adorable. Did you, was that from your friends or was that something you 
wanted? Is that what you wanted? No, to that was it? my girl. I just left it completely up to my girlfriend, Emma, who I knew would do something amazing. And I actually thought she was going, she's, you know, she's very artistic and her mother was a you know, professional artist. And so I thought she was going to do something with it, but she just had the vision of making it this bright little red box that was going to look like the old post box. And yeah. I think it's worked to charm. It's very gimmicky. So it's worked really well. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. Well, you've already yeah. shared, you know, some tips from that awesome website. If people want to um, start their own library uh, yeah. box or whatever, I wonder if there's, you know, if there's rules on it for like, is it like sizing or how big or small it has to be or anything like that? I think all of that would depend on whether it was on the verge or not. Yeah, I think okay. if, if it was on your property, then I really think it would be completely up to you. Mm. But yeah, I've got, I have, I've got, I've got it. I mean, what are some other tips I could? Oh, something I would say is to change over stock regularly. If it's on your property, change over the books because once people realize it's the same old books in there, they're going to stop without walking past. And I know I've done that with a couple of street libraries. Like if you go past and, you know, you find the firm and then you go past three months later and the firm's still in there, you're going to know <laughs> that that's not getting changed over. So, yep. and just keep it really clean. Like for me, there's nothing worse than coming past a street library where there's massive spider webs on it. <laughs> yeah. Or you can't see the books yeah, through the dirt you know. in the window. <laughs> yeah, I was going to ask about the cleaning if you just give it a wee wipe. <laughs> oh, yeah. And the other thing I've done actually is all of my books are stamped with a stamp that says that the books belong to the Little Red Street Library and that they're not for sale. And the reason I've done that is because I've seen on Instagram that other street librarians have been devastated because all of their stock is cleaned out pretty regularly and because people are selling the book so they're taking them to sell so I think if you just did something simple like that it's going to make sure that the the spirit that you've started the library in will be maintained yeah that's a good tip because obviously like you said you're you're getting brand new books that are um from publishers that are current and now so yeah yeah, people people are aware of that as well also where did you get did you send away to get the stamp made or did it come with the book uh I think I did it no it didn't (laughs) Mm-hmm. I think I might have actually done it on Zazzle. Yeah, I think it was Zazzle website that I got the stamp made from. Yeah. I love it. It's like yeah. you know, it's like playing librarian, isn't it? <laughs> I cannot honestly, this podcast is such a dream for me because I'm so obsessed with this library, I can't even put it into words. And everyone around me is so sick of hearing about the library. So to get an opportunity <laughs> to talk to someone who's not saying, Would you please shut up about this? Oh library. no, I think it's great. It's, it's really so lovely. It's really inspiring. Yeah. And I think it's such a great project, you know. I do, I do. I'm not sure if I'll pull it oh. off, but <laughs> I'm sure your tips oh. and, and expertise and things like that is is and your passion for it is so infectious. And I'm sure everyone's gonna flock now to to find you. But I think with the has the Instagram page, has that been a lot of community following as well to see what's yeah. new and things? Yeah. It's actually been like it's been quite amazing for me also to see other little libraries who have just found me from around the world. I've got, you know, little libraries in Holland that it's so cute. They're called mini beeps over oh. there. <laughs> 
cutest Mini name. Beeps. <laughs> Mimi Beep. Yeah. <laughs> Holland and Mexico and, you know, Sardinia. And I've just, it's just incredible. Lots of all over the UK and America. And it's this network of book lovers around the world that seem to have found each other on Instagram. So I guess if someone's looking for, you know, how they want to design their library, if you find my Instagram page and look to see who I follow, because I'm following a lot of these libraries, you'll get so many ideas. Some of them have posted their libraries, like they've actually nailed it into trees. So it's coming out of the tree. There's, you know, some that are just down these little gorgeous little Italian like laneways, this pink library and oh, just Absolutely beautiful. The number one, honestly, the Rolls Royce of little libraries that I've seen, I've got to tell everyone about it. It's in Sydney and it's called Hartree Corner Street Library and Imaginarium. Honestly, it's next level. It just puts any other library in shame. You've just got to go. I feel like I can't even do it justice. You've got to have a look at her videos yourself. Oh, yeah. No, we definitely will. Yeah, I I seem to follow a couple as well that's popped up, whether that's because I follow your page as well. But some, some of the designs or what people make just are amazing it absolutely amazes oh, me <laughs> they're so clever I know they really are so clever yeah well yeah. you've got a new book coming out yourself next year so are you gonna have like a, a grand launch outside the library <laughs> oh, you should you should and, and you know put the book in <laughs> Oh, it's so funny. Do you know, I haven't actually been able to put any of my books in there and one got donated in there and I took it straight out. I don't know what it is. I think I'm just, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe by the time my book comes out next year, I'll be able to have my book in there. But I think I'm so terrified of my neighbours reading my books and not liking them. (laughs) I just. I haven't been able to put any in there yet. So we'll see. I've still got, you know, it's not out till September next year. So I guess we'll see if I've grown in confidence by then and I can make eye contact with neighbours that have read my work. Yeah, oh, yeah that's we'll hilarious. <laughs> well, we, we, my book club, we all read your books and absolutely loved them. So we're, we're really looking oh, forward to the next you, read. Yes. Oh, how well, lovely. Thank can you, you tell our listeners where they can, you know, obviously discover you, your books, uh, the Instagram page, uh, which yeah. they can see you know the little red street library online yeah yeah so it is i have got it's got its own instagram page which is very originally called the little red street library (laughs) (laughs) and i've also got my author page um which is where i kind of post anything that's book related or life related for me i'm on instagram and facebook as tess woods i'm also on twitter but i'm never really there i just go on there to watch people yelling at each other really i never (laughs) post on twitter i think it's called Um, x now <laughs> yeah, X, that's what I see. <laughs> I'm not really up with it. I am not good on Twitter. Um, but yeah, Instagram and Facebook, I'm pretty good at catching up with, you know, if people want a message or whatever, I'm pretty good at replying to those. Oh, well, thank you so yeah. much, Tessa. That was really inspiring. And uh, yeah, we can't wait to see what the future holds for the Little Red Street Library. And I'm sure everyone's going to rush out and buy your books and read them and your new one when next year. Oh, thank you, Joe. <laughs> so lovely to talk to you. So there you have it, folks, the absolute brilliance of Tess Woods. You can go on Instagram and check out Tess's Little Red Street Library page and like. And if you are a local to the area, give it a visit or donate a book. Tess and I both would love to hear how this episode has helped you start your own street library or about your own street library in general. So please tag us on Instagram and let us know how you go. Next time on the Hybrid Author Podcast, we have S.J. Butler on writing authentic historical fiction. I wish you well in your author adventure this next week.
that's it from me Bye for now. That's the end for now, authors. I hope you are further forward in your author adventure after listening, and I hope you'll listen next time. Remember to head on over to the Hybrid Author website at www.hybridauthor.com.au to get your free author pass. It's bye for now.